Well, good morning to you. My name is Justin Smith. I am one of the staff pastors at Smithville Mennonite Church, and I have the privilege of bringing you the sermon this morning. First of all, I hope that you and your family had a great Christmas yesterday. Um, and for today's sermon, uh, the title is Night Shift Surprise, and we will be in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Making room in your work can be a very difficult thing. I think most of us have found ourselves in some type of work in our lives and are most likely still in it. Whether you are in the office, in the factory, in the truck, offering services, raising kids, volunteering in a ministry, and the list could go on, you are working. Anything we do that benefits another in some way should be thrown in the work category. And as I sat here rolling over that statement, I hesitated to put that in this message, but I think it's true. When you boil it down, every kind of work benefits someone in some way. And when we view work that way, it becomes not simply something we do, but who we serve. The difference with work from person to person is whether it is something we do for a living or if it is a commitment or a responsibility. Whatever the reason, the struggle of seeing work as worship or work as ministry can be evident. Sometimes a simple freedom of pace and requirements can make it easier to have the mindset of ministry within work, such as raising kids or volunteer ministry positions, but still involves intentionality. Other times, the lack of flexibility causes us to perform the tasks that are put before us and creates worship or ministry within the confines of work to be very difficult to possess. Ultimately, we all choose the work we do. We choose the job we work, the roles we play, and the responsibilities we have. I think we have a responsibility to view all that we do as work, as worship, or ministry. While I say that to you, I'm also speaking to myself because I need to view the many roles I find myself in as worship and ministry. I'm a doer, and I love getting tasks done. The downfall is that worship and ministry tend to take a back seat when I'm in task mode. Making room for Jesus within our work has to be intentional. And maybe you can identify with that. Do you find yourself struggling with worshiping or ministering within your work? Is the inflexibility contributing to that struggle? Is the lack of joy within your work contributing to that struggle? What does making room for Jesus in your work look like? So I invite you to journey with me in a very familiar passage of scripture from Luke chapter 2. We'll take a closer look at the shepherd's interaction with the angels and the shepherd's response to the angel's proclamation. I think we can glean some tidbits of truth in this passage from how the shepherds made room for Jesus in their work. So follow along as I read Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 20. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly... 
a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. These shepherds were on night shift. Last year, we talked about the shepherds having a greater role than just tending to ordinary sheep. These shepherds were more than likely shepherds that were tending a specialized herd that was used for temporal sacrifices. Jewish religious leaders had requirements for those sacrifices to be unblemished lambs. These shepherds would be accountable to high leadership in Jerusalem. Can anyone identify with being accountable in your work to someone in a higher position than you? We should keep that in mind as we continue to explore the different dynamics of this passage. Shepherding, in general, was not a desirable job in those days, but one that was essential. Ever feel like you're doing what you're doing is so un underappreciated but essential to some part of, a, of society? You might be able to identify with the shepherds. Not only were, was their position less than desirable in society, but at this point in scripture, they were on the night shift. I know some people that love night shift, and I'm glad that there are some that do. For the most part, I would tend to believe that most people would rather sleep on the night shift than work. But I think that most of us have been on the night shift to experience it at some point in our lives. If you haven't yet, I believe you will. Whether it was a very light night, light, late night at work to meet a deadline or caring for an infant during the night, night shift is a reality for most at some point in our lives. In the undesirable times in our work, we can still make room for Jesus. There are going to be times in our work where we tend to wish we're different, but it is in those times we can get a clear glimpse of how much room we truly have for Jesus in our work. For me, my attitude can fill up the space that was meant for Jesus. Focusing on the undesirable times in our work can steal precious time that could be used to worship. Then in the middle of the night, when it was pitch black, an angel appeared to them. The glory of God was radiant and is nearly impossible for us to define. Some words that could be used would be magnificence, worth, loveliness, or grandeur. But I think the word that sticks out the most in this part of the passage is the word shown. God's glory becomes visible when nothing else is, if you are open to it and receive it. But it also terrified them, which literally means that they feared a great fear. Initially, this fear was actually being afraid. I think I would be afraid too if a giant flashlight turned on and an angel appeared to me in a place where you wouldn't ever think that that would happen. But the angel's words brought comfort, anticipating that fear would be a part of the shepherd's experience. Then I believe that fear turned into reverence because the shepherds knew about the prophecies 
And this proclamation of the Savior coming into the world had great meaning and importance to them. Have you ever felt something from your work that seemed to be one thing and turned out to be another? Maybe you didn't have the full scope of information before a reaction or how you felt about something. Just the other day, my lead pastor and I were having a conversation about the pictures on a website. We both agreed that the pictures needed updated, but the scope of what needed changed was misunderstood. Surprising that we would misunderstand each other, I know, but it happens. I understood he was, talk he was asking for all of the pictures to be changed, which is a very big undertaking. He was actually asking for only the homepage slideshow pictures to be changed. It's important to have the full scope of information before you assume what is meant. What the shepherds experienced was fear turned into reverence. The angel told them that they have good news for them, that is full of joy and will be for everyone. This was new for the shepherds because they most likely were never told anything first, let alone something super important. The weight and impact of what they were being told held great importance to them. What do you feel when you are told something of great importance in your work? I'm going to bet that you felt privileged and like you needed to do something with that information. The message that was shared with the shepherds was the gospel. It would be the first time the gospel would be shared apart from prophecy. Not only was this message of great importance, but they were the first ones to hear it. They were never the first ones for anything important. In fact, they were usually disregarded. If you remember from last year, which is a stretch I know, I can hardly remember yesterday, I shared about something that was called the Migdal Adair, which is a tower near, Jerusalem, near Bethlehem that the shepherds would care for the newborn lambs for temple sacrifice. And I talked about how these shepherds um, cared for these lambs there. You see, the last part of what the angels said to them is that the sign will be of the baby, a manger and cloths. Other versions say swaddling clothes. These shepherds certainly knew about mangers. They were shepherds. Their best friends ate from mangers. But they also knew about swaddling clothes as this is what they used to wrap newborn lambs in. They knew exactly what they were looking for. I can imagine that this excited them because they were confident, confident that they would find the newborn king who is the Messiah. You know how it feels when you receive some exciting information in your work and you confidently know what to do with it. You want to do something with it. And that's exactly what the shepherds did. While the shepherds received some exciting news within their work, I want to share with you some exciting news that happened to me within my work. I want to read to you a passage of scripture from Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. I recently was given 
the opportunity to take a sabbatical with my family. And the Sunday that I came back from my sabbatical, uh, this was the scripture that I used for my call to worship. And I told our congregation that this basically sums up my sabbatical. The last week of my sabbatical was life transforming. I need to tell you a little bit about my story for this story to make sense. About seven years ago, my wife and I had two stillborn children about 16 months apart. That was a very difficult time for our family as we had only been married for 14 months before our first stillborn child. I especially struggled a great deal with grief and depression. I also struggled with hearing from God during that time and even after I worked through grief. Many times in the past seven years, I have wondered where God was and why he wasn't listening to his hurting child. I could not understand why a loving God would not help his hurting child. What I was experiencing didn't make sense to me from what I knew about who God is. Fast forward to October of this year, and I had another intense experience with not hearing from God. I was headed to the Billy Graham Training Center in Asheville, North Carolina, and God brought a book to my mind that was introduced to me a year and a half prior. The book's called The Dark Night of the Soul by St. John of the Cross. I was miraculously able to download an audio version of it and listen to it on my way down. I was also miraculously able to comprehend exactly what I needed to hear while driving. And if you know anything about me, reading comprehension is very difficult for me, especially while concentrating on driving. But I found myself weeping multiple times on my way down to Asheville. I read that dark nights in people's lives are initiated by a tragedy. I read that in those moments, God intentionally removes himself from a person's life not to abandon, but for growth. I read that Job and Jeremiah experienced the same things, and that brought me great comfort. I read that in those tragedies, God is transitioning his children from drinking milk to eating solid food. And that stopped me in my tracks. I had never thought that God would be initiating growth in me by offering me food that I had to eat myself instead of being bottle-fed. You see, up to that point in my life, I hadn't faced anything difficult that would rock me to my core like our, like our stillbirths did. God did not have an opportunity in my life yet to grow me in the way that he needed to grow, that I needed to grow. There was no tragedy to allow me to see the urgency and necessity for growth. I was comfortable in my relationship with God for the first 28 years of my life. And when that suddenly changed at the, point, at the point in my life where I needed God the most, I was so confused and hurt. Just as children really do not like the transition from the bottle to feeding themselves, I didn't like it either. And I did not grow during that time, partly because I didn't know what was going on, and partly because I was a little stubborn. But I realized that day that God's promises are true and that he has never left me. He was changing how he was interacting with me because it was time I used the resources he has given me to grow on my own, and he would be there like a parent is for their child. I was asking the wrong question 
for seven years. I was asking, where are you, God? Now I'm asking a new question. What am I missing, God? And from October 7th, 2021, my life has changed and a significant transformation has impacted me inwardly and outwardly. And what has probably meant the most is that my wife has said consistently that I am different and God did an extraordinary work in my life. I am praising God for his transformation of my life. Within my work in that unique time, I experienced some very exciting news that I needed to do something with. So I have been telling people. The next moment in the text, we see a host of angels praising God for his peace and favor toward people. But then we see the shepherds do something right in the middle of their night shift. We don't know how many shepherds there are or if they took their flock with them. Because they were on the clock, they more than likely took their flocks with them. They dropped their comfort and their agenda to explore the area of Bethlehem to see this baby that the Lord had told them about. They knew the word they had heard was from God and didn't question the, the authenticity of it. They went and they knew that they would find what they were looking for. They were available, willing, and open. In our work, are we open to the unexpected? One reason why I started our time together talking about work as worship is for this part of the passage. Our work, whether it is formal or responsibilities we have, do we have margin to meet unexpected people or events that could have eternal value? What is margin, you ask? It's that space or time in our lives that we welcome unexpected things to interrupt us. When there is margin, we can have a greater change to not miss something that God is putting before us, maybe for us to be a part of. I'm sure the religious leaders had some kind of guidelines of what had to be done with lambs to keep them pure and worthy of sacrifice. But the shepherds decided to change what they were doing that night because they knew there was an eternal significance. They had margin and knew that they were a part of something big. Another part of the passage that plays into this point is that the shepherds hurried off. They had a sense of urgency to this information that they were given by the angel. A great challenge for us in our work is to be open for the unexpected and figure out how we can invest in it. Within the workplace, if there is a coworker who is passing, who in a passing conversation hints at being curious about God, to you because they know you're a Christian, grab a hold of that opportunity and make room for that person in some way. At home, if your children are having some moments of correction that reflect a heart issue, make room for conversations and teaching that point to the heart of God. In your volunteer position, what if the class starts talking about something completely off topic, but it's a topic that is hurting their hearts? Make room to pour into them and meet them where they're at. In your life, what if a person comes to you with a need they have? Make room for them and find a way to meet their need, whether it be you or someone else that can meet it. You know, for work to be worship, it has to start as a lifestyle choice. We must embrace Romans 12.1 
where we are used as a resource to accomplish the things of God because we're, we're available to him for his use. And I think of another way of being a part of his grand purpose is what the shepherds did after they saw things that were just as they had been told. Do you remember what they did? Two things. They spread the word and they glorified and praised God. Not only were the shepherds the first ones to hear the gospel, but they were the, one, the first ones to share the gospel too. Everyone who heard what they said were amazed. Let's think about that for a minute. The people who were telling this amazing news were the people who were the low, low end of the totem pole of society. It was likely people didn't listen to what they had to say. But this message was different because people did listen. Actually, everyone did. I'm going to bet that the shepherds didn't pick and choose who the everyone was. They just told people. Sure, there were probably people who chose not to listen. But those who did, that might not, might not have ordinarily heard the greatest news of all, and the shepherds returned to their normal work after sharing with all who heard, all who would hear, they glorified and praised God for what they had heard and seen. Are we making room in our work that allows us to share and praise the good things that are happening? We all know that there's plenty of bad stuff swirling around our lives and our world currently. Now would seem like a great time to intentionally make room for sharing a good word in our work, whatever it is, when the tensions seem to be heightened. So as you focus on making room this Christmas season, I hope you got a glimpse of how the shepherds made room for their work for Jesus in their work for Jesus. To make room in our work, we first need to see our work as broad and a service. Worshiping and ministering within our work is essential. In the undesirable times in our work, can we still make room for Jesus? Can we make room for Jesus when exciting and important news is shared with us? Can you embrace the unexpected times in our work and still make room for Jesus? Do we have urgency to make room for Jesus? Are we willing to make room for Jesus by sharing and praising? We are left with decisions of how we view our work. Can we make room for Jesus this Christmas within our work? If we do, the places we find ourselves at work can be drastically impacted by the love of Jesus and impacted for the better with life transformation. Will you pray with me? Father God, as we look to you, this Christmas season, and as we think about our role in our work, whether it is something that's formal or whether it is something that is our responsibility, we pray that we would be able to make room for you in our work, that we would sense an urgency, that we would have margin and that you would show us and present to us opportunities that can be life transformation, transforming for others we come in contact with and maybe even ourselves. 
God, I pray that you would guide us and direct us. Show us, have mercy on us, give us grace and love. We love you and we praise you. We ask all of this in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for being with us this morning and listening to the word of God. I pray that his word has changed your heart from the inside out. And may you have an amazing rest of the Christmas season.